With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Alright, it is the 78th episode of the What If Football Podcast. We're getting back to our serial episodes of The Barclays. We feel like we've not done one of these for a while. What with the Champions League back and obscure footballer in the way. The summer is 1997. Manchester United are going for three in a row in again. But there's a new kid on the block. Let's get stuck straight in. Welcome to today's show. We are here on the Sports Social Podcast Network as we are every single week with uh, reviews of Premier League football in the Barclays every week with the Champions League, all nostalgic podcasts such as that, as well as looking back at fantastic obscure footballers which we did last week with our second seventh episode of that where we inducted a few more obscure footballers into our illustrious hall of fame all nostalgia if you do like that nostalgia we're over there on that there patreon patreon.com forward slash what if football where from just one pound a month or totaling it up four pence per piece of content on average we're there five days a week we've got Weekly columns looking at modern day football. We've recently looked at the international break and we'll follow the business end of the season right through to its conclusion. We've also got head to head podcasts, combined 11 podcasts, all that clickbaity stuff where we compare and contrast or try and wind people up, which is the uh, in the zeitgeist with football content at the minute. And on Tuesdays, we cover. Great Seasons, Great Games in the Great Games podcast and the Story of My Season podcast. Recently, we've done 
the Chelsea Champions League winning term from 2011-12, for example, and covered a superb Manchester derby, the 4-3 hammering, as it were, by United in 2009. But let's let's rewind even further back. Let's rewind to the summer of 1997. Yes, as I said earlier, Manchester United were on for three in a row. Now, the last time they were on for three in a row, a couple of seasons back, you may remember, they were undone by a certain... Alan Shearer, Chris Sutton and Blackburn Rovers. They're there or thereabouts this season, but the main contenders are the Arsenal, are Newcastle, which we'll uh, get into as we uh, round up the pre-season here. In terms of managerial changes, we've got Howard Kendall. He has returned to the Premier League. He's returned to Goodison Park for one last go-around. Let's see if he can rekindle some of that magic as Everton have been a bit stagnant over the past few episodes that we've covered on the Barclays. Meanwhile, Blackburn Rovers have brought in a familiar face, Roy Hodgson, with his first job in England for a long time. Obviously, Hodgson has revolutionised Scandinavian football by going over to Sweden and implementing the uh, the stringent 4-4-2 that they still play with today. That was in the 70s. He's gone all over the shop. He's just recently been to Inter Milan. He's had the Switzerland national job, took them to a World Cup in the United States. And now he's back home in Blackburn. Will we see a resurgence from Blackburn who have had quite the drop off since they were champions of England in 1995? Meanwhile, on the South Coast, we've got Graham Souness resigning, presumably in embarrassment from the Ali Dia saga, I think he's the right descriptor to call that one a saga, really. Uh, Souness has resigned and Dave Jones is in at Southampton. And Southampton are perennially a a club that just stays, bobs up afloat and uh, has been doing that for the majority of the Premier League. Maybe a fresh impetus from uh, Dave Jones here can take them to mid-table, but we uh, we will see. In terms of transfers, in terms of the biggest signing, in terms of money outlay, is it Mark Overmars to Arsenal? No, he only cost $6.75 million. Is it Stan Collymore to Villa? No, he was only $9 million. Is it Paul Ince to Liverpool? Nope, just $5.5 million for, for Ince upon his return to the Premier League. It's none other, of course, than Graham Lasso to Chelsea. $9.5 million the English fullback has cost Chelsea from Blackburn Rovers. But in terms of the true big transfers, well, we had a bit of a seismic outgoing from the Premier League. Eric Cantona was gone, abruptly retiring completely out of the blue. However, when you consider his the mark that he left on Manchester United from the double winning team of 94, especially to the one in 96, compare that to the, the following season, the last episode of the Barclays we covered, he was becoming less and less instrumental on the team and in his place, Teddy Sheringham from Tottenham Hotspur. Meanwhile, Les Ferdinand was sold by Newcastle to Tottenham. Of course, the domino effect in full flow here. But Newcastle, after losing Ferdinand, would lose Alan Shearer for the first half of the season to another long-term injury. Now that you can count that as two cruciate ligament injuries that Alan Shearer has suffered in the past. That would be enough. One would be enough to retire somebody. Two, it doesn't look too good for Alan Shearer. It doesn't look too good for Newcastle as well, who have gone from two having two world-class centre-forwards now to, to really having none. And 
under Kenny Dalgleish, of course, Kevin Keegan, long gone in the rearview mirror. You struggle to see that if they could mount a uh, a title challenge, really. Um, we have got a Emmanuel Petit, John Dal Thomason, completely Newcastle, of course, signing Thomason, Petit signing for Arsenal in that one. So the, the, the vision is becoming a bit more continental, you may say. Stefan Henshaw's pitched up at Blackburn, Celestine Babayaro at Chelsea, David Ginola at Spurs. Spurs collecting quite a few top players from Newcastle this uh, this transfer window. Dean Holdsworth's made the jump from uh, to uh, Bolton Wanderers. Ed De Hoy at Chelsea, Danny Murphy at Liverpool. Klinsman would return, but that's for later on. And... Uh, it goes to show that Graham Lusso's big transfer for 9.5 million is just pure madness. Anyway, Manchester United, they were also in the market for a defender. They snapped up Henning Berg from Blackburn. So they've been quite um, gutted out of their best players, really. Um, Henning Berg would join Sheringham, bolstering, bolstering a defence for them, but also weakening the rival. Obviously, Steve Bruce is gone. Gary Pallister is on his... Um, on his last legs, really, at the club, and this will be his final season at Old Trafford. And of course, United take the loss on Carol Paborski. A bit of a, a duff sign in there, only lasted a, uh, a season there. Uh, meanwhile, Newcastle spent big. Gary Speed would come in halfway through the season, 7.5 million. Alessandro Pistoni at the back as well. But the other names like uh, Timo Kaspaya, Stuart Pierce, given Nico Dabizas, they would be the mainstays, Pierce aside, really. They have cashed in on uh, David Ginola. They've let go of the wages of Peter Beardsley and, of course, Les Ferdinand as well. So it's a bit of a um, bit of a shaky time for the old um, Newcastle United. They would make an FA Cup final. Um, more on that one later on. In terms of Chelsea, they have spent big, but their best buys will likely prove to be Tori Andre Flo and Gus Poyer signed for a combined £400,000. I mean, I'm not good at maths, but you could buy twenty. Twenty of those to make one Graham Lasso, which is quite unri- quite remarkable, really. Meanwhile, in Arsenal, they've got them continuing their French Revolution. Gilles Grimondi is in. Also, you've got Matty Upson, Alex Manninger, Christopher Ray. You've got Luis Beaumorte. Um Quite a good um, transfer window from Arsenal. Obviously, Overmars will be pivotal. You've also got Paul Merson as their biggest outlay to Middlesbrough, first division Middlesbrough as well, for near six million pounds as they try to return to the Premier League and would do in this season. So in terms of cash flow, they're doing quite well, Arsenal are. Um, Liverpool, aside from the aforementioned, they've got Carl heinz Riedel added to the front line, um, Brad Friedel in goal as well. So it, it's kind of there or thereabouts, that transfer window. Meanwhile, West Ham have been fairly busy. Ian Pierce, Trevor Sinclair, Ial Berkovic, who would uh, prove to score some pretty vital goals in the season. That's £8 million spent on that one. Andy Hinchcliffe joins for £4 million for uh, Sheffield Wednesday, whilst David Hurst leaves for Southampton. Leicester City have been busy boys as well, having uh, won the League Cup and they're in Europe. They've got Theo Zagarakis, the experience in Tony Cotty, the youth in Robbie Savage. And uh, Steve Claridge, also experience, comes into the front line. Wimbledon have, have lost Dean Holdsworth to Bolton, but they would also lose Vinnie Jones towards the end of the season. And they would lose uh, Leon Hardson to uh, to Liverpool there. Coventry, meanwhile, they've brought they've bought pretty smart George Boateng, Magnus Hedman, but also lost Peter Lovu to uh, first division side Birmingham. Southampton have added Kevin Davies, Paul Jones, improved both ends of the pitch. So you've got these middling clubs now bringing up some decent talent, especially 
Wimbledon, South, Southampton, Coventry, Everton. Not too much excitement for them. They've um, added Don Hutchinson, Thomas Meyer in net as well. Minus £6 million um, net spend there. Derby have been smart. I would say smart with uh, Dion Burton added as well. He would form quite a good partnership with Paolo Wanchop this season. Rory Delapsin as well. Bit of a cult hero there. And uh, Leeds have not necessarily... necessarily not especially broke the bank, the Hassel Bank for Jimmy Floyd Hassel Bank from Boa Vista, but would prove to be a stunning signing. Alfinger Highland as well, um, but they have lost some crucial members of the, the earlier times of the Premier League, but maybe that's probably a good thing considering Leeds didn't really cope well with uh, winning the winning the last first division in '92. And Sasa Churchich makes a return to the Premier League, joining his third Premier League team. He's now at Crystal Palace, and um, he joins Valerie and Ismail, Crystal Palace's uh, record signing there. Playoff final hero David Hopkin would join Leeds United, though. Meanwhile, it is Barnsley's first stint in the top flight, first time in 110 years, and Jan Aga Fjortov has been brought into bolster their front line from Sheffield United. Can he keep them up? Well... We're going to take a look at the season from August to May after this short break. Welcome back. We are in August. The world is dealing with the the losses of Mother Teresa, of Princess Diana, and later on in the in the season, Frank Sinatra. But here in the Premier League, we have Dennis Bergkamp, Mark Overmars, Ian Wright producing a wonderful triumvirate and Bergkamp producing a, a wonderful triumvirate of goals against Leicester City at Filbur Street in one of the, the most entertaining games of the season. 3-3, we all remember. We all remember that last goal where he brings it down, knee, curls it into the bottom corner. Arsenal are doing quite well. Not as well, though, as Manchester United. They've not conceded in five games, the first five games, Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 13 points from the first 15 available. Although Teddy Sheringham's debut does, um, it is a return to White Hat Lane, but it does end with him hitting the post from a penalty at his former stomping ground. Blackburn are in a similar streak of form as Manchester United, free scoring as well. They've got 13 points from the first five games, inflicting a 7-2 battering over Sheffield Wednesday. And Dion Dublin is firmly in the goals this season and starts off Quite well, sinking Chelsea on the opening day, but Chelsea would bounce back with the with the next three wins on the spin. Barnsley thought they'd got off to a wonderful start in their first season in the top flight, but ultimately lose to West Ham 2-1. And who scored the winning goal? Well, none other than a very fresh-faced 
Frank Lampard, the first instance of him in this podcast series. Meanwhile, signing we didn't cover in the previous um, section, Attilio Lombardo has signed for Crystal Palace from Juventus. Absolutely ridiculous. But he uh, he uh, repays some of his wages back with a goal at Elland Road in a 2-0 victory for Palace. Lombardo would become inextricably linked with Palace for this season alone, really. Uh, more on him later on. As we get into September, Arsenal are... Shaky, it must be said, but Wright and Bergkamp are completely incredible together. Overmars is providing a fresh impetus. They should have held on against Everton in a in a 2-2 draw, but in and amongst September, you've got Ian Wright breaking Cliff Bastin's goal record, but uh, erroneously celebrates the, uh, the goal uh, when he's uh, celebrating the 179th goal of his Arsenal career on his goal. 178, of course, a sign where you've got too much for a football club there. But uh, an incredible performance in a 4-0 win over Bolton where Overmars chipped in with two goals in there as well. Meanwhile, Manchester United, their perfect start um, has ended. Two points from the last three games in September. They're now dropping from top spot, replaced, of course, by Arsenal. Uh, Meanwhile, Blackburn have got a similar run of form on there as well. Three draws and a defeat. But in that very entertaining game against Leeds, they would always produce... Pretty decent games against the likes of Leeds and Chelsea, as we'll attest to in the next episode of the Barclays, I do believe, against Chelsea with that one. Meanwhile, Chelsea, speaking of them, they've had their good form derailed. They've come up against big teams like an Arsenal, a Manchester United, and in the case of Arsenal, got undone by a quite simply ridiculous Nigel Winterburn winner, which is probably one of the goals of the season, you got to say. Meanwhile, we've got a few decent um, stadium changes or stadium revamps, I suppose. Sanford Bridge is new looking, no more construction at the one end. And when you're looking at the uh, highlights back, you've got Derby breaking in Pride Park quite well. Paolo Wanchop and Dion Burton combining well in a in a 4-0 win. And you, you could just sense that they're going to be one of those teams again that uh, upset a few names and finish decent enough in mid table meanwhile at Liverpool you've got Robbie Fowler in the goals but it would be become a rare occasion more so than in previous seasons as we've now got one Michael Owen to contend with uh, more on him as we get through the season as we go through to October Arsenal continue to be uh, or rather transform into a resolute defensive outfit they don't concede for the entirety of October but unfortunately they only have a 5-0 win over Barnsley to show for the month with two nil-nil draws alongside it. Meanwhile, their, well, it looks already their title rivals, Manchester United, have a much better October. They put seven beyond Barnsley. Barnsley taking quite the kick in this month in a uh, in a very tough, tough schedule. And United get seven points and regain top spot. Meanwhile, Blackburn, they have been fairly um, entertaining with that 4-3 match against Leeds, but now it's turned into uh, fairly, bar- fairly boring matches. The typical Roy Hodgson way, keeping it tight, shutting up shop. You've got a 0-0, 1-1, nil in September. In October, you've got a 1-1, a 1-0 and a 1-0. Tough to beat. Don't find as many goals, obviously. You've still got Chris Sutton in there, bagging a few as and when he can. And uh, Blackburn is still still a good start to the season. They're the third after 12 games. Liverpool are lagging somewhere behind them, though, a bit of a slow start. They don't win until match day four. They've not really played a top, top team yet either, and they lose at Goodison Park after an absolute disaster of an own goal, um, in a 2-0 loss there. 
We should perhaps have a word on Leicester because they're fourth after 12 games. They've uh, won the League Cup the previous year. They're in Europe as well, but they're already out of Europe. They would lose in the last 64, or rather the first round to Atletico Madrid. A very good um, start, promising by Martin O'Neill. Um, but they were undone in the first East, East Midlands derby of the season against Derby at Filbert Street in uh, on Monday Night Football there. As we move into November, a firecracker of a game from Highbury. Apologies. Uh, probably game of the season, you got to say. Probably the game for a number of seasons, really. Manchester United go to Highbury, lose 3-2. Nicholas Anelka scores a terrific goal. Patrick Vieira even better with an absolute blockbuster. But it is new signing, Teddy Sheringham, who would take a bit of time to bed into the club, really. You wouldn't say he probably hit his peak form until maybe the next season, maybe the season after. But he scores two goals, incredibly crucial in the in the not really often worn blue strip from around this time, but it wouldn't be a draw. It wouldn't be a United win. It would be David Platt with a crucial header from a corner. We will we will note more on that later on. But aside from that, Arsenal really, they don't score all month. It's a pretty disastrous month apart from that, even despite the season-altering win against United. They lose against Derby, lose against Sheffield Wednesday, lose against Liverpool Meanwhile, United the scoring for fun. They score 15 goals in the other November game. Still retain top spot this time, three points ahead of Chelsea. Yep. Um, a win against Arsenal at Highbury would have meant a seven-point gap between the pair, but now it's just one point after. Um, but Arsenal's travails have sent that gap back down to seven points. So if you think about the incredible resurgence that we're about to see from Arsenal, that would have been from a from a position of 13 points and would that have changed the entire complexion of the season? Would it have, if Arsenal went on to win the title from that one, would it have had a negative impact for United going into the 98-99 season? Well, we, we just don't know. Maybe that's a what if for another time, isn't it really? Chelsea, meanwhile, mentioned them in second. They've had a superb month. They only lost at Ewood Park and the potential banana skins really in Derby, Everton, West Ham, Villa. They were all dispatched, all beaten, all plopped in the bin there. And uh, Blackburn, they should have beaten Barnsley, but had a more understandable loss at Old Trafford. They do pick up two wins. They are in touching distance, but um, a little bit flaky in the opening season, really. Opening part of the season, I should say. Liverpool, well, they've thumped Spurs and Michael Owen's got his first Anfield goal. We'll be hearing a lot more of him in this uh, series from now on, they are still sixth place, but um, a win at Highbury. That's uh, put some cat amongst the pigeons, um, but they also lose at home to Barnsley. So you can see they're a bit, little bit too inconsistent to probably um, probably mount a title charge this time round. Elsewhere, we've got our first managerial casualties of the season. David Pleat, he's sacked by Sheffield Wednesday. Ron Atkinson takes over as they're in the drop zone. Sheffield Wednesday, one of the most inconsistent teams around. They would get 7-0 pumpings off Manchester United, but then Frash Bolton 5-0. Ron Atkinson only wanted a short-term deal up until the end of the season, and Wednesday they sounded out Howard Wilkinson, first former, of course, league champion with Leeds, but... Uh, Shows that the recruitment in, in entirely great. Coventry, uh, Sheffield Wednesday wanting a long-term plan. Ron Atkinson not really wanting that. Um, 
but they do have a great start under big Ron manager um, in beating Arsenal in his very first match. Um, wouldn't be as explosive as the following season's tie between Sheffield Wednesday and Arsenal, but uh, more on that in the coming weeks. And um, a relative unknown Christian Gross takes over a resigning Jerry Francis, who looked like death, to be honest, um, in his final weeks at White Hart Lane. Spurs are sat in 16th place and probably have a bit of a job on in um, in terms of survival, really, alongside your likes of Everton, who were circling around the drain, really, as in real life, um, in 2022. And Newcastle, surprisingly, but understandably, with um, the continued absence of Alan Shearer. Meanwhile, we go to December. Arsenal losing key matches at home to Blackburn. They draw the North London derby away from home. Oh, a derby which is marked by... The return of Jürgen Klinsmann, of course, and by this point, Gary Mabbott's announcing, Spurs player Gary Mabbott is announcing that Spurs are in a fight for survival. They do lose 4-0 at um, Highfield Road at Coventry. So both North London clubs not really having the best time of it. Arsenal are now 12 points back, but they have admittedly played a game less. So if you extrapolate that, that loss... For United at Highbury the previous month, you're talking a a good 18-point gap there and um, perhaps unassailable, even with the game in hand for United. But uh, United, they had a bit of a perfect month. They're now five points ahead with 17 games to play. They beat Liverpool 3-1, superb David Beckham free kick in that one. Grind out wins against Villa, Newcastle 1-0 and Everton 2-0 as well. And it would have been a superb month, but... Them dark horses, Coventry again, um, showed incredible character. They they go 1-0 up, but then United peg them back to 2-1. And you think, yeah, United will probably run home with a fairly comfortable win here. But it is Dion Dublin with a penalty. It's Darren Huckabee with one of the more ridiculous winning goals. Rounds about five players and sticks it in the back of the net. Superb winning goal. Superb story as well. Coventry. Returning to that status, we we did cover them a couple of episodes back. I think it was 95, 96, where they were absolutely in phenomenal form. Had a bit of a drop-off since, but um, doing quite well, especially with Dion Dublin. At, uh, and then in the number nine position, scoring tons, tons of goals. Uh, meanwhile, Blackburn, they've tailed off the Drew against Sheffield Wednesday and Crystal Palace. Bit of a memorable win at Highbury. Um, still second place. So Roy Hodgson's done a pretty good job there. Um, meanwhile, Chelsea are back in third. Um, month marked with a a memorable 6-1 hammering of Spurs at White Hart Lane. So Spurs really in the doldrums here. Tori Andre Flo bagging a hat-trick in that one. And it would have been an unbeaten month for Chelsea had they not lost at the Dell, which is a tricky place to go, or was a tricky place to go in the best of times. Um, even the big teams, biggest teams of the, in the land would uh, falter there. Liverpool, they rebounded from that loss against Manchester United with five wins on the spin. And now, with a game in hand, nine points behind Manchester United, they've jumped up to fourth place. Owen is banging them in left, right, centre. You'll see him get called up to the uh, England team ahead of the 98 World Cup, which the previous month, they, of course, qualified for after a nil-nil draw in Rome against Italy. And we go. It's 1998. The year I started watching football. So these are the last sort of, this is sort of like the last knockings of me sort of not really watching football, not paying attention to football. This is the sort of grey area right before I come into uh, 
well, an obsession. Um, it's led to this. Uh, probably is an obsession by this point, isn't it? Anyway, Arsenal, they're going, not going great guns, but they're picking up points. They're picking up points quite quietly. They've got bookies paying out on Man United um, to win the league, which publicity stunts probably, but um, in the Premier League years episode I watched, they could not stop talking about the bookies paying up. <laughs> but uh, there we are, regardless. Mark Overmars scores a late double in a 2-1 win over Leeds. They pick up seven points from nine and are only eight points back from United here. United, who have an absolutely terrible month. They start off the year with a pretty decent win against Spurs. But then again, everyone's beating Spurs. And then you've got a, a loss against Southampton where they had about 25 chances on Paul Jones' net, but uh, he kept them all out. And they lose to a Tony Cotty winner at Old Trafford at the hands of Leicester. The East Midlands clubs, really, for United around this time, were a bit of a burger team. You've got that derby... You got that Derby famous win, haven't you? The previous season, they would draw at Pride Park again this term, and uh, Leicester would would draw in the first game of the treble winning season next time round. But of course, more on that in the coming weeks. Meanwhile, Blackburn they've had a bit of a wobble. They're no longer in second place. They wobbled at Derby, but they thumped courtesy of Kevin Gallagher's hat trick. Aston Villa. Meanwhile, Chelsea, they're in second place, only four points behind, despite a loss at Goodison Park. So you you speak here with 24 games played, the leaders are only on 49 points. It speaks to a very, very competitive league. Meanwhile, Liverpool, they don't concede all month, but admittedly don't get over the line against Leicester. Blackburn, nil-nil. Leicester doing very, very good against the big teams. And you've got everyone hyped up for another Newcastle match at Anfield. The first one was 4-3. The second one was 4-3. Richard Key says it's going to be 4-3 at 100 to 1. Um, but like all, well, most third films in a trilogy, a bit of a damp squib really. Michael Owen scores the only goal of the game, 1-0. It was never going to be 4-3 again, was it, unfortunately? And January marked the return, thank God, for England's uh, progression at the World Cup. For Alan Shearer, he returns in a 2-1 win over Bolton, setting up Kets Bayer for the winning goal and the subsequent iconic celebration where he just wanted to take all his clothes off and start assaulting people and advertising boards, etc. Meanwhile, speaking of returns, Jurgen Klinsmann scored his first goal back in a bit of a fiery West Ham Spurs contest. I'm never quite sure what to call that derby. It's not East London, it's not North London either, is it? They're both North East London, you can't, no, um, just London derby. Anyway, Harry Redknapp, Colin Caldwell get into it. West Ham play gets sent off, starts near assaulting David Ellery, the referee. It's all kicking off in that one. You wouldn't expect anything less from a, from a game between these two. Meanwhile, it's Dion Dublin continuing his superb form, keeping up with the likes of Michael Owen with his um, superb amount of goals. Player of the month runs in the goals in a 5-1 win for Coventry at Bolton Wanderers. Coventry still going fantastically in the top half of the season. In terms of February, Arsenal complete a bit of a perfect month. Only two month, two games in it really though, but a 2-0 win over Chelsea, 1-0 win over Crystal Palace, quietly going out of their business. And uh, Manchester United d- doing similar, really. Aston Villa, Derby, Chelsea all beaten. 5-0 on aggregates um, across the three games after a 1-1 draw against Bolton. And that does mean with those losses against Arsenal and United... Chelsea are all but out of the title race if they were ever in it to begin with. Um, they lose all three games in February and we can probably stop talking about them in terms of the uh, in terms of the season. And that is because they, they suffer a bit of a um, 
well, a cataclysmic shake-up, really. The early season promise has fizzled out. Rude Hullet is sacked with the club in second place. Um, this is over, a, well, Ken Bates dis- described it was over money. Rude Hullet said it wasn't. Um, noted his uh, weak bargaining position by saying he wanted to stay, but uh, ultimately Chelsea give him the chop. Chelsea continue with that... Um, player-manager model, Gianluca Viali is in. Gets even worse with the uh, with the win for United at Stamford Bridge. Who else but Phil Neville scoring the winner? And um, the other teams have games in hand over them as well. So the, the way out in the UEFA Cup spots now, and that's probably well, it is where they remain for the remainder of the season. Liverpool have gone further back as well. They've only got two points from four games. Wheat from the chaff, really. Being separated and sorted out here, um, another Merseyside derby where Liverpool don't win. Paul Ince and uh, Duncan disorderly, Duncan Ferguson scoring the goals there. Liverpool are now 11 points back, having played 28 games like United. Blackburn are still hanging in there just about. They are 11 points back, but they've got a game in hand on United. Arsenal, two games in hand, are 11 points back, so... Think of Arsenal's form here, probably five points you're thinking about. United still in the driving seat, of course, still in the driving seat, but um, Arsenal are just quietly going about their business. Meanwhile, you have a change-up at Aston Villa as well, Brian Little resigning with Villa in 15th place. John Gregory hired for a, a lovely new manager bounce in February where the... Uh, jump back up the table and comfortably into the top half. Meanwhile, Chris Sutton's form continues. He scores in a 5-3 win over Leicester, but he's in the news because he refused to play for England B and his international career is over. You probably think that um, Chris Sutton doesn't really have to play for England B and England did have a slew of attacking players. But when one striker leaves the international setup, one jumps on Michael Owen. This was the month where he became a fully-fledged international and, of course, a few months later... Rocking the world with that goal against Argentina. Maybe more on that on a World Cup podcast later on in the year. Those are spoilers. Anyway, so we've got down to March and this month will be remembered for another clash between Arsenal and Manchester United where now the title race is definitely on. It's definitely between Arsenal and United. And the month remembered for the Mark Overmars winner at Old Trafford. Gary Neville not able to catch up with him that incredible picture of the fans going crazy especially that one guy in the leather jacket which seems to have stood the test of time really um ferguson playing a bit of mind games after this saying they'll drop points because it's inevitable and um because obviously that's all these title races have usually ever been especially the previous season where nobody could seemingly string together a couple of wins on the board in succession they're still top United, they're top by three points, but Arsenal have got two games in hand on them. They beat Wimbledon late on, they lose at Hillsborough, draw at Upton Park, which has really put that wobble on, especially after the uh, the Arsenal win. Meanwhile, it's, it's 1-0 to the Arsenal. It's Wimbledon, it's Sheffield Wednesday, it's Bolton. Grinding out those wins, similar form really to what United were portraying a couple of years back when they won the double in 96. Is it an omen? Most definitely, as uh, Arsenal confirmed that with the... Uh, FA Cup in a couple of weeks' time against Newcastle. Speaking of Newcastle, their board has been accused of bribery amongst other accusations, and this mixes with a loss at home to Crystal Palace. The ill feeling is well and truly on board with Newcastle, especially after such promising seasons recently. But after over a week, Sir John Hall, the owner, gives the board a shake-up and hopefully now focusing more on um, dredging them up 
to safety. They're still near the bottom of the table. So by this point, by this point in the show, we've got to discuss relegation. We're after we're in April now, so this is how the table looks with seven games to go. We've got Sheffield Wednesday on thirty-seven points. Wimbledon on 36, having played a game less. Newcastle on 36-2. Tottenham 34. Everton 33. Only just above the drop zone with Barnsley on 31. Bolton on 30. Below it. And Crystal Palace, 7 points adrift on 26 points. Looking fairly, fairly um, doomed. And March was uh, was probably the nail in the coffin, really. Steve Coppel's reign ends with his 8th loss in a row. 3-1 at Villa. He's now the director of football. They've put it this way, they've not won in 15 games, they've not won at home all season. And the new manager, well, for a time anyway, is Attilio Lombardo. Remember the signing from Juventus all the way back in August when things were good and they beat Leeds at Elland Road. Of course, they beat Newcastle at St. James's Park, but um, Terry Venables was the first choice. Mark Goldberg can't get the ownership change over the line and um, more... Damning news as ex-Crystal Palace forward Chris Armstrong scores a crucial goal for Spurs in their own survival push. And um, that looks to have consigned them back to the first division where Crystal Palace usually inhabit around this time. They usually come up, go straight back down. Meanwhile, Barnsley, they've been in the drop zone since September. They did have a bit of a stirring win against Southampton 4-3. They got four wins on the spin at, at one point, but... They lost to Liverpool and Blackburn, understandable, um, but there's still hope, there's still hope, there's two points in it, and they are 18th against two teams above them, Tottenham and Everton, who are obviously household traditional you know, clubs, but ultimately floundering. Um, Bolton and Everton, fairly similar, they're drawing too many, Bolton only entered the relegation zone in uh, January, and they've just ended 12 winless games, five draws and seven Seven losses with wins against Sheffield Wednesday and Leicester. Sheffield Wednesday, they've only just got out of the relegation zone um, just before Christmas with four wins on the spin, but have since um, been very inconsistent. They've got memorable wins, haven't they, against United? But aside from that, still struggling. They are 37 points, should be enough, should have a... Two more wins will be enough, you'd, you'd expect, around this time. Um, likewise, Wimbledon should be safe, but one winning six isn't great form. It's not really great momentum. Spurs as well, disastrous. Absolutely disastrous time from October. Um, seven points from March, though, has has pulled the nose up a little bit. If they'd not got them, of course, they'd be in the drop zone. They'd be nearly bottom of the table. But we go to April. Arsenal are on the brink. They beat Newcastle 3-1. They beat Blackburn 4-1. Wimbledon 5-0. Barnsley 2-0. Derby 1-0. They look now as though the pressure's firmly off. They know they're going to win it now, um, especially after the, the psychological boost that was the win at Old Trafford and also the psychological boost that Manchester United give them, really, with with the ghosts of title-raced past, with uh, Liverpool... And Newcastle, both getting draws at Old Trafford. Michael Owen absolutely burning Pallister for pace in the uh, game between the pair. Likely the genesis of his departure that summer and revamp of the defence with uh, Ronnie Onsen joined by a certain Yap Stam. United would win the last three games, 8-0 on aggregate, but as we'll see as we move into April, it doesn't really particularly matter all that much. Arsenal have got a game in hand and are four points clear. United have got two games remaining. The most they can achieve is 77 points. So Arsenal, all they need to do is win. I'll get two draws either way. 
Returning to the drop zone, Sheffield Wednesday confirmed survival with a 3-1 win at Goodison Park with Mark Pembridge netting a double in that one. And uh, Wimbledon pulled all but clear with a point at Coventry. Spurs are still in it, but probably should be safe. Again, too many draws. Everton, Coventry, Barnsley, but crucially beat Newcastle. And in that game, Les Ferdinand bagged his first goal for seven months. Really not um, really not getting into uh, grips with his new club, although by April it's not really his new club. He's only bagged five goals this season, perhaps the, perhaps the beginning of the end for him in terms of goal scoring for maybe even England set up really Newcastle still in the drop zone still in the fight for survival rather not in the drop zone should be safe though they did uh, lose to Spurs a nil-nil with Leicester was marred by uh, Alan Shearer stomping on uh, Neil Lennon there and largely frustration because Newcastle should be in the position where Leicester are really in the top half fighting for trophies winning trophies which Newcastle still haven't done and uh that could be a sentence produced in 98, could be a sentence produced in 2022, although that looks like it could be over soon. Um, anyway, <laughs> Everton, there's still life left in them. They're still above the drop zone on 39 points, as opposed to Bolton on 37. Still life in those yet. Bolton hope the uh, beat Blackburn, unlikely win at Villa Park as well. And a win against Crystal Palace could take Bolton above Everton. Everton, who lose at Sheffield Wednesday and they've got Arsenal next and Arsenal are on that procession where you're almost just penciling that down for, for zero points. Meanwhile, Barnsley, unfortunately, they're all but down. They do win against Sheffield Wednesday in a South Yorkshire derby, but lose to Newcastle, Leeds, Arsenal. That's essentially killed them. Um, they have to now go and win against a, a very decent Leicester team and a, a title-challenging Man United team. Still might not be enough as well. So... Probably going to be down with that trip to Filbert Street. And Crystal Palace, they've finally won a home game, so fans can celebrate. But they've also got relegated um, losses to Leicester, Liverpool, Manchester United. Always going to be tough. And Ray Lewington has taken over from Attilio Lombardo until the end of the season. Caretaker passing it to Caretaker there. We go to May Arsenal, of course. Sum it all up with a 4-0 win over Everton. Tony Adams with that particular goal. And um, in terms of the relegation race, well, Newcastle pulled themselves clear with a 3-1 win over Chelsea. Dabizas, Rob Lee, Gary Speed scoring the goals to confirm their safety. Spurs likewise, 6-2 at Sellers Park. Find time to bang all those goals in. Um, Jürgen Klinsmann scoring four of the best. Meanwhile, Barnsley are sent right back down to the... Uh, to the Football League with a 1-0 defeat. Courtesy of Fio Zagarakis, they would linger around the playoff scene for a little bit for the next couple of years until, until 2000, wasn't it, where they got to the final against Ipswich. But aside from that, Barnsley wouldn't be back in sort of those circles until 2021, where they um, unfortunately fell at the semi-final hurdle there. Meanwhile, better news for Bolton. They played Crystal Palace already down. Mad game, perfect opponent for Bolton. Crystal Palace don't have anything to play for. After 30 minutes, it's 3-2, so by far not cagey at all. And you've got Alan Thompson, Dean Holdsworth scoring in the second half. And because of Tony Adams summing it all up for Arsenal in that 4-0 win, he's just put Everton in the drop zone. We've got it we want to play here. Bolton are on 40 points. Everton are on 39 Bolton have got minus 18 goal, 18 goal difference. Everton have got minus 15. So it could come down to goals scored. And Everton host Coventry. Bolton have the much trickier game 
travelling um, to Stamford Bridge and Gareth Farrelly gets Everton off to an absolute flyer with a superb goal. Enough, really, you'd think, to uh, grant them survival. Everton, 42 points. Bolton on 41, still holding on against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. But Gianluca Vialli scores on the counter. And by this point, Chelsea fans are booing their own players. Um, especially after Dion Dublin scores at Goodison Park with two minutes to go. And... Both Everton and Bolton are on 40 points here. Minus 15 goal difference plays minus t- minus 19. Bolton need a goal. They miss a glorious header. The Chelsea fans in the uh, in the end behind the goal act as though it's their team. They're all cheering them on. And the uh, hands go into their heads with a uh, near miss there. And Chelsea fans essentially willing Bolton to score to effectively relegate Everton. Chelsea get a counter, the fans boo that, and obviously Chelsea then go on to score. Jody Morris looks as though it could wrap things up for uh, Bolton's time, but obviously still awaiting news from Goodison Park. If Coventry score, Everton are down regardless. Bolton will stay up with 40 points, but it never comes, and essentially Everton survive with a draw, five goals in it, minus 15 to minus 20, and... Very similar scenes to 1994 against Wimbledon when a 3-2 win there was enough to uh, to survive. In terms of terms of uh, similarities, f- could be fairly similar to this season. I'm recording this episode well in advance. Um, I'm in uh, 16th of March as we speak. So who knows what Everton's rest of the season looks like in 2022, but... Frank Lampard and his boys might need something stirring a bit like that. But if they get 40 points next season, or this season rather, should be uh, more than enough. After this short break, we'll go through all the 20 teams, see how they did revel in Arsenal's first league triumph in seven years and the double, of course, after this short break. Welcome back. Let's start at the top of the table, shall we? Arsenal have... 78 points, Manchester United have 77. It looks a lot closer than what it was, thanks to, of course, Arsenal losing their final two games in a bit of a procession mode there, um, already celebrating, and who can blame them, really, first title since George Graham. And um, under George Graham, quoting Martin Keown here, that um, the emphasis was to win the ball back, be more of a pressing team, press as a team, deny the opposition space, have lots of offsides with a high line, and... Really, Arsene Wenger, he furthers Bruce Rioch's philosophy, which was to introduce a passing game, according to Martin Keown, and and you must say, it did work. They're still attacking, but under a different guise here in the 97-98 season, and people will go to Arsene Wenger's impact in terms of off the field, in terms of the hyper-professionalism, but that was already underway before he got there, really. He just nudged it further along the line really you've got David Platt coming in forgive me if we've discussed this already and on the Barclays but we've got David Platt having played in Serie A which was in terms of professionalism absolutely streets ahead of the Premier League so you've got him coming in in 1995 Dennis Bergkamp coming in from Serie A as well uber professional and you've got then mixed in with the with Paul Merson, who's not here in this season, but still he's a huge part of the team in the previous two seasons. And Tony Adams both realised 
both came to the epiphanies of their sort of addictive tendencies and went on the straight and narrow. So you've got those four players there, huge figures in the uh, in the club. You've got Mark Ovmas as well, who would have had the same effect as well. And all of a sudden you've got more than half of the team there, really, who are now strict professionals, which maybe have let Arsenal down in the past. And with the arrival of Wenger, it sort of boosts that down and it, it boosts that along the, the, the way there. And Ray Parler has quoted as saying in respects to the newfound professionalism at the club with certain players arriving, it made you think and it need needed me to up my effort here and absolutely right. And Wenger didn't really need to do a whole lot by way of, by way of making Arsenal professional. The players did it themselves really. And it, it was sort of in the works before it happened. Sort of players not being pressured, but seeing their, counterparts coming in from Europe and realising, oh, we are miles behind here. Um, and then obviously that gets ramped up with Arsene Wenger's impact. Stricter dietary requirements probably enabled the the cliche of new managers coming and banning ketchup, which marked the, uh, which was a, a marker really to show how professional you were if you didn't eat ketchup with your food. Um, regardless, it was more the supplements really, which players took and they took creatine to build muscle, build stamina and unfortunately it was a bit of a self-harm almost by Wenger there because English contingent who would go to international camp take the supplements, the English teammates would of course say what the hell is that, go back to their clubs, go back to their respective clubs, implement it there and in terms of improving a club in terms of absolutely dominating the Premier League, you can't look any further than Alex Ferguson. But in terms of improving the standard of the Premier League as a whole, Arsene Wenger is probably the most important figure in the in the league's history, even now, even in 2022, even post Jose Mourinho, even after the influx of foreign managers, as opposed to, obviously, we've already had the influx of foreign players with the 1994 World Cup, with all the extra money from the TV deals, which is kicking in round about now, as we see with clubs like West Ham and Sheffield Wednesday spending a lot of money, a lot of money. And then you've got, um, obviously, even now with Guardiola, Klopp, etc., etc. And now we get, we've probably got to a point around... And you've got to say Sam Allardyce as well. People tend to say, see him as a bit of a dinosaur, but he was um, quite proactive with these sorts of things. So I think around 2005-ish, really, where everybody was like fully on board with this type of thing. We're here in 1998, and this is the reason, really, that, um, that Arsenal win the double. It also helps you've got... Superb partnerships going on in the middle of the pitch. Patrick Vieira and Petit in the middle. You've got Dennis Bergkamp and Ian Wright up front as well. Bergkamp and Overmars too. And signings that we've not really mentioned, really. Christopher Ray, Nicholas and Elka. Young, blood, blooded into the team, scoring pivotal pivotal goals. And this 4-4-2 as well, which we I think we must have discussed on the previous episode, which Arsene Wenger forces through really after... Initially siding with the players and playing at three goes back to the 4-4-2 here and teams don't expect it and then obviously get punished and that's why we have the Arsene Wenger Arsenal double team of 1998. The history books may say 78-77 but in essence really 
probably a seven point eight point lead really in reality because of obviously the drop off after the after they've won the title. So the remainder of the teams we've got Liverpool in third place, sixty five points, Chelsea in fourth, sixty three. Chelsea had to overcome that managerial change, of course. Two exciting teams there alongside Leeds United with fifty nine points. Liverpool probably the best of the rest, although Chelsea probably think may have had that edge on them if they hadn't had obviously cup cup commitments they win the cup winners cup they win the league cup obviously all these foundations built on by Rude Hullet but actually won by Gianluca Vialli and matching that with good returns in the Premier League probably makes Chelsea probably makes them the best of the rest you've got Blackburn surprisingly bouncing back to an extent on 58 points you've got Villa there or thereabouts as well on 57 let's not forget with Villa that they were they were the furthest English team in Europe, really, joint along with Manchester United, of course, um, irrespective of Chelsea um, in that one, really. But a quarterfinal team in the UEFA Cup that year, losing to uh, Atletico Madrid, who also did for Leicester City, who finished 50 on 53 points. But Liverpool, Chelsea, Leeds, Blackburn and Villa will all be in Europe next season. And in terms of Overachievements, you'd probably have to say that Derby on 55 points, Coventry on 52, Southampton on 48, probably do that nice and safe. Same old, same old from Coventry, really, except for a little bump there, especially with uh, with Dion Dublin's goals. And um, West Ham had a pretty decent season in returning to uh, top half position there. Um, and then we get to the, the quagmire of the relegation battle, and teams that are really of underperformed either in terms of their past seasons Wimbledon and Sheffield Wednesday or because of certain I don't know Tottenham lost Teddy Sheringham replaced him with Les Ferdinand who didn't really get the goals Newcastle were missing Alan Shearer for a long time all of, of all four of these teams are on 44 points by the end of the season and Everton well they've been middling since 1994 haven't they They're not really not truly learned from that um that experience and find themselves in the similar position, same position pretty much in the relegation zone going into the final day, having to win to uh, get out of it, which could be true of this year as well. And we bid goodbye to Bolton, Barnsley and Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace down with many games in advance. Barnsley went down on the penultimate week of the season and Bolton very unlucky with 40 points. And this season probably does help to further the... uh, the narrative that the 40 point mark is what you aspire to try telling Bolton that <laughs> and then anyway 38 points here separates relegation in terms of Bolton on 40 points with Arsenal on 78 points as a champions in reality that's probably around 45 38 points in the 2017-18 season in terms of chartering at the most extreme the points record in the Premier League 38 points, barely stretches in that season from Manchester City's 100 points to Arsenal in 6th, 37 points, and then Burnley in 7th for a further 9 points back. So you've got really 46 points between 1st and 7th in that season, which shows that the league, as though, although we do like to say anybody can beat anybody and it's the best league in the world, maybe on technique skill it is the best in the world best managers most of the best players now most money etc in terms of competitiveness um i think we're at probably the lowest point english football's ever had unfortunately for a whole host of reasons and that's probably for another podcast that one 
That is all we've got time for today. Please join us next week for a return to Champions League football, a return to Le Grandes Equipes. And we have got the 2000-2001 season on the 79th episode of the What If Football podcast. Thank you very much for listening. And until next time, silly. Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.